right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Hey, thanks for your time. I appreciate you checking out the podcast, man. You're going to learn something today. A lot of people hear an exhaust and they think, eh, sounds cool. I like the throaty tones, but you don't really realize what the hell that exhaust is doing and how much it's helping. Oh, yeah. And everybody has a, a sort of a, you know, it's like a different flavor, right? There's so many flavors of exhaust notes, right? It's going to, you know, Baskin Robbins and trying to pick out which one you like. And, you know, typically we've got a few handfuls you know, I could have a scoop of that and a scoop of that and a scoop of that. Uh, but, you know, eventually we got to pick one. And, man, do we get to eat that ice cream every <laughs> time we get in our ride. And it is delicious when you get it right. Yeah, it is like a little treat firing up your car and uh, hearing a big nasty throaty tone out of it, especially when you're getting into high RPMs. I love, you know, I love a sound of a V8, you know, right around, for me, it tick starts tickling right around 5,000 RPM, wing it up into the sevens, uh, you know, to kissing 8,000 RPM. God, there is something just, I don't know, man. It's like music to my ears. <laughs> it's magical, man. I don't know who came up with, you know, like the V8 has almost everything in perfection. It's got reasonable balance and shake to it. Um, you know, obviously you can get enough cylinders to get kind of the performance range that we all love. So you can get mega power out of it. And the sound that comes out of it can't be beat. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, all right. What is your worst muffler purchase? Uh, I've done pretty good. I mean, even my first ride, uh, come on, man. You got to have cherry bombs somewhere. You have to, you, you, you got to no, have cherry bombs some point I in your didn't. life. <laughs> I did not. And I am kind of proud of it. I've made so many other mistakes in my life, but sound quality's kind of been always kind of key in my head. Like, man, I built this motor. It's got a big cam in it and everybody's got to know that it's good you know i can't be rolling right, right, around right. on some cherry bomb stuff you know <laughs> making some fart noises and raspiness and 
you know, droning everywhere. I, I will tell you, man. I, so my '71 Dodge Charger, when I was uh, when I was in college, it was a pretty nasty 10 second streetcar, um, and I just ran open headers all the time uh, when I was out at street racing and so forth. I got pulled over one time, uh, and the cop gave me a ticket for not having an exhaust. So I ran to uh, God. I think it was like a uh, like a Super Kmart or something. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it was like a Kmart. Um, it might have been Super Shops, but I got the bolt on. Whatever that red cherry bomb that bolts right through the header flange, I got that and went down to the because we had to go make an appearance um, at the station and they would race your ticket if they saw that you had exhaust longer than twelve inches off the end of the header. So I went down, had it measured up, and they tore up the ticket. And I was like, "All right," and I took that garbage right off and threw it away. <laughs> well, that's okay because right, you were under the you were under the gun essentially, right? Yeah, you didn't have it's a choice. Necessity. You didn't yeah. go, hmm, "Let me shop for something and let me let me prioritize." right these red ones what sounds the worst <laughs> exactly man exactly <laughs> what sounds like somebody throwing up <laughs> uh so yeah man that was that was my case but exhaust i'll tell you exhaust makes a huge huge impact and difference oh it, it's everything you know i i've i've been in so many vehicles that you drive around and, and you have a certain vibe for like okay i'm driving around yeah whoop de doo and then you get just that noise that one sort of you know visceral experience turned up at the right level and all of a sudden every time you get in that car you're like i want to go faster i want to drive it more i want to have more good times like this like there is there is few other things that you can do in a car just by turning the key right that gets you all fired up i can get in my mustang yeah. right fired up and whoa you know that little high idle in the beginning before it settles down you're like ooh, damn this could be a fun day you know, but you get in anything else that's quiet and you're like, all right, where did I, you know, I'm going to put my coffee over here and I, what am I going to do to, <laughs> you know, like what's on my list of to do's, but, uh, yeah, you get something that fires up and growls at you and all of a sudden you kind of set everything down and you're like, Oh baby, talk to me. Yeah. Talk to me. Yeah. Give me some love. I, I was going to ask you, man, what is it about Ford Mustangs that sounds so bad? Bad <laughs> or badass? Yeah, man. No, bad without well, the ass. Hey man, I, I will, I will, I'll give you there's there's a lot of them running around there that I would not pick that sound, for sure. You oh, know, for man. sure. Oh, I could. Yeah, it sounds like somebody gargling like yeah, rocks. Yeah, but but you know uh. what? You know, <laughs> trying to be unbiased here, I I could probably do very similar uh, evaluations or critiques of of other branded cars because there are a lot of exhaust systems out there that just, in my opinion, you know, kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you ever get somebody else driving by and you're just kind of like, ugh. <laughs> oh, sorry for that guy. You know, I'm glad he's driving past. So yeah, I don't have man. to hear him again for a while, you know? Hey, wh which, is, which is why we have our connection with our boy oh, Rich. Man. I mean, talk about a connection, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This guy can steer you straight like no one on this planet. Uh, speaking of which, uh, you know, every time I get in my little LS M3 and I fire it up, I think of this guy because he's the one, you know, I fabbed it all. But he's the one that helped me spec out, like, you know, pipe lengths and which size mufflers and all that stuff. So that at the end of the day, and again, this guy did it all from, you know, me describing it over the phone kind of thing. Like, hey, man, I think the car is about this long and here's about the distance where my muffler would go and yada, yada. And damn, if I didn't weld all this thing up and fire it up. And it's probably one of the nicest, most badass sounding machines uh, I've been in. It fires yeah, me up man. every time I get in it. 
Yeah, no doubt. It definitely calls your name, especially uh, when you're up in the RPMs, uh, letting that thing eat. It uh, it definitely is, is inspiring. I love exhaust notes that are inspiring you to drive. They're like, is that all you got, sissy? <laughs> uh, yeah, man. You know, I think there's some nuance in there, which is, you know, just so funny when you're talking about just some pipes. You know, the nuance right. is, you know, A, not getting drones, so hitting some RPM where you get that, oh, and resonant frequencies in your car start kicking off and it's just oh it's annoying and you wish you could be driving faster or slower uh but two i think loudness isn't always where it's at you know when you're on the pedal you kind of do like to say to the world hey look at me go you know Rawr! but you don't want to damn loud all the time there's this balance of loudness and quality and we're going to talk to richard uh, from Magnaflow. Richard Waitis is the man, dude. He's he's like the face of Magnaflow, but this guy, you know, he's the one they send out when they're doing TV shows, and he's under the car fabbing custom exhaust. You know, he's driving the R&D. This guy is as sharp uh, as you could ever get for attack. Uh, they're lucky to have him, and we're lucky to know who he is. And, you know, I was thinking the other day, the new Corvettes come out, and it's got, you know, a multi-mode exhaust. And so, you know, you and I have put on hundreds, if not thousands of exhaust systems. And we think, you know, pipes and mufflers and tips and whatnot. But now there's a whole nother level of technology that's creeping in vehicles. And it's been around for a while. You know, the old C6s with the, the seven liter, you know, like, right, right. but uh, you know, these systems are getting more and more complicated. So it's like, all right, Richard, let's get some more scoops, some updates on what's coming down the pipeline and how do you compete with the OEs when they're so damn good at what they do now, you know? Well, I look forward to getting those answers and more. So let's take a break. When we come back, our boy Rich from Magnaflow. This is going to be awesome. Oh, well, we'll take a quick break and dive right into it. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Two Guys Rides Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have our boy, Rich Waitis, from Magnaflow on. And I'm telling you, this guy knows every single ping, every single tent, every single note of an exhaust. I bet he could tell you the year, the make, and the model of the exhaust, of the muffler, not the car, just as it drives by. He's yeah. that good. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome, Richard, man. Good to catch up, and uh, thanks for being on. So... Give us some of the latest, right, challenges that you guys are facing, man. And and give us some scoop, because I know you guys have some some C8s over there. Willie's had some seat time, and man, he's he's been into my ear, and I'm so stoked. I can't wait to get in one. But now winter's coming up here in Michigan, uh, Detroit. It's probably going to be till spring before I get in one. So give me some scoop. Well, you're definitely right on why you should be impressed. These cars, uh, along with a lot of other cars, they're just they're they're bringing out new tech, and not just new tech in a sense of flash wings and wings and bangs and all the things that you see on the inside, but we're talking about how we deliver the experience. Uh, and we all know, and it, it's the sound of the car that really invigorates you as a driver. It, it connects you to those wheels and tires in a way that you can't get with just you know 
looking at things or, 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 or without the sound and really the reverberation of that engine feeding back to you. Um, and the C8 is no different. Obviously, GM has spent uh, many, many thousands of hours in developing, obviously, the powertrain to function, but the car in itself and how it delivers the feedback uh, to the driver from the sound and the way that they've created the exhaust system with the new uh, platform, it's, it's just night and day different. It's not just two modes anymore, and it's not just an exhaust that's working to be louder and quieter. There's just much more to it. So give us a little more depth, like... When you say multi-mode, what is actually going on in there? So uh, when you're looking at the, what GM calls their new MPP exhaust, um, it gives you the option of a louder, more boisterous experience that feeds back. Oh, it's nice too, man. It's nice. <laughs> it, it, yeah, but it's not just like, you know, hey, I just want a volume switch. You know, it's actually doing quite a bit different uh, functions while the car is working differently. Um, the more rudimentary form of the multi-mode exhaust that GM have had in the past were just like, okay, well, you hit X amount of speed, it opens up as long as you're at wide open throttle and gives you a louder output. Um, in this case, you know, there's much more to the car now. Um, they're, they're mitigating with the different modes that you have uh, drone in resonance. So it's not just a simple open or close. Um, that's the NPP basic valve, but you have a second set of valves that work with uh, the cylinder displacement um, uh, shifting. Obviously, there's a V4 mode uh, that activates to get the economy that that car is capable of. But when you do that, you're changing the pulse length. And when you change the pulse length, you're changing the frequency and you're changing uh, all of the uh, vibration and harmonics that are transmitted through that system. And a lot of that stuff in a V4 pattern is very undesirable. You don't get that kind of natural V8 lump sound that you love to hear out of the cars that that inherent four, you know, uh, I like to equate it to like the human heart. There's like four valves and in, in that V8, you have two banks of four that pulse and give you that same sensation and that feedback that's just very visceral. So wait, you're telling me that in this new Corvette, because I've never heard of uh, such, somebody put like an efficiency mode on there, a quiet mode, uh, a non-performance. Why would they do such a stupid, stupid thing? <laughs> <laughs> and why would they put four cylinders? Right? You got eight. Who yeah. Efficiency in a Corvette? Shut the front door. Who wants that? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty wild that they're trying to put these, um, uh, I mean, today's cars aren't just race cars. You don't have to buy something that's a track duty only vehicle. You really can use it as a grocery getter. I mean, gosh, they put a frunk and a trunk in the thing for, you know, crying out loud. You can do, do shopping things and, and, and actually use your mid-engine sports car to go grab some groceries or go golfing in and jump in it and go run, you know, sub three seconds, zero to 60s. You know, it's, it's a pretty amazing tool. And I would still use it with the loud ass exhaust on there when I'm going to do my groceries. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like, like, I'm not ever right. turning that off. <laughs> I'm going to say you both have a point because definitely Willie's right. I would keep it loud. Uh, but, you know, Richard, it, it's absolutely true, man. And myself working at an OE, um, you know, these vehicles are amazing. I mean, take uh, just a couple of years ago, the Hellcats, you know, and demons that are coming out. It's exactly what you're talking about. These things are freaking rocket ships uh but yet you can throw your whole family in them you can do all the things you normally do it's your commuter car it's all that stuff and then you know as long as you give me the mode that i want like 99 percent of the time uh that's kind of cool and then of course you know every oe's got to hit emissions and fuel economy and all that stuff now 
if I could check the box that says skip all that, I'd probably do it. But I understand, you know, the constraints in the real world. But uh, well, and, and, and that's just it is in order for them to give us what we want, which is we want, you know, that high performance vehicle that sounds the part, looks the part, feels the part. Um, they've still got to make uh, the EPA happy. And in trying to do that with a 500 horsepower naturally aspirated car, uh, there's a lot of countermeasures they have to build in. And these multi-valve systems are becoming more sophisticated in the sense that they're not simply sound devices. Uh, they're there for the enjoyment of the vehicle, but also they have some functionality in the operation of the vehicle. Um, oftentimes, you know, you talk about cars that have like a, a cold start, you know, the, the high idle. Uh, that's done to help light off cats. But with the use of valves now, you can actually restrict airflow, uh, keep that heat energy there and help light off those cats faster. Well, all that, again, doesn't really affect necessarily that net performance part, but that lets you have that 500 horsepower car that you wouldn't be able to have if it couldn't pass emissions. So that's that little valve's functionality that's much beyond just the sound it's providing. Okay, okay. We'll give you that one. You know, right. well, you got us <laughs> on the little valve thing. How, however, let me tell you guys something. On that new C8 Corvette, I, Rich, I don't know if you got seat time in that thing yet. I swear that is the fastest 500 horsepower car I have ever driven. Like that car, when you say 500 horsepower, it drives, it performs like a 680 to, to 720, 730 car. Like it feels like it's bringing you that much power. It's really, really insane how they deliver it. It, it definitely is what, you know, they were going for was this experience. And, and, and you know, that's, that's always how I've looked at the car thing for me. That's why I like loud exhaust. It gives you uh, that experience of performance. And, and, and the zero to 60 and the mid-engine capabilities with grip, I mean, GM, that plus that DCT, uh, all of those things combine that acceleration experience to being what you can't experience in a car that can't get that traction. And you don't have this, the, the, the expedience that the shifting takes place. And obviously, even like the GT500 with its DCT, those transmissions coupled to a whole lot of power but the one advantage that the C8 has of being able to apply it, you know, so readily with that mid-engine platform really just changes how you experience power. And it doesn't need 700 horsepower to make you sit back in your seat for the first five years. You know, I kind of wonder too, because I haven't been in one, but I've been, you know, I've been in a couple of Ferraris and such. And in that mid-engine, you're sitting so much like more farther forward that you don't have this big, long hood out in front of you. Like, it just seems like the perception of, uh, you know, ride a motorcycle, right? You get a whole different kind of view of the world when you're on a bike uh, than when you're in a car. Like, uh, and I don't know what it is, but I don't know if that adds to kind of the whole experience like you're talking about with speed. And There's a weird confidence you get at the, in the Corvette having a C7 myself and sitting further behind that center of gravity. Uh, you definitely feel the, the vehicle wag and move a lot more in a C7. Whereas once you're in the C8 and you're planted and you can, you have the grip, when you're going through the corners, you're sitting on that like rotation point of the car. So the nose moves and the tail moves, but you still feel very centered. You're not moving in opposite directions of the G-forces. You're not being plastered around. So you get a lot more confidence in that. Uh, and as a driver, I think that gives you more, uh, a better, better sensation or feel for the car. It just feels like you have more control over it. Uh, it's not pushing you around in the seat. You're driving it through the corner. It's just kind of a different trade-off. And it's those little things that as you get more seat time in the car, I'm not a supercar driver. I don't have a lot of seat time in mid-engine cars. So uh, getting some time in the dev of this exhaust portion and actually driving the cars and seeing what they do, not only on the street, but on the track, they've, they've put together a pretty impressive package. 
Oh man, it's it's way impressive. So I own a, a FRC C5 uh, that puts out 1160 at the rear of the tire. It's a pretty nasty car. Um, but I'm telling you, man, when I hopped in that that new C8. Man, I could not believe the acceleration, how it felt. Because, you know, e- even a C7, for example, you'll take that car out. And if you know seat time, you got seat time on a track, you'll just torch the front tires off uh, after a few, you know, hard sessions and motos out on a big road course. You know, we have a couple 2.2 milers out here that I spend a lot of time on. And you'll chew through tires. On that particular platform, it felt nothing like the other vets that I've driven out there. It was so attached to the to the road and even in turns how a a normal car kind of feels like you're pushing your way through a turn this one felt like like literally you're on a roller coaster the way the car moves through the turn um allows you to get on the apex uh, or get on the gas before you hit the apex like it really does feel so much more secure and tight on the road uh and, and it just forces you to drive that thing like it it begs you to drive it now, did you guys leave on, you know, I don't know how hard you got to drive, Richard, but, uh, you know, between the two of you, did you leave on all the driver assist, you know, the traction control, stability control? Like, how much of that vet is driving for you, do you think, uh, to give you that confidence uh, versus, you know, yourself? I can tell you, for me, I'm absolutely not a pro driver. And uh, I go out there as an enthusiast and I uh, try to run my lines and I, I run as aggressive as I feel comfortable. But I'll tell you, um, the C8 makes me look pretty impressive. And it's the car (laughs) uh, that's well beyond my ability. Uh, I can keep it in the rails, but it makes those rails go a lot faster. Um, The entries and the exits and how it stays planted and the the way that the traction control delivers that is uh, is pretty phenomenal. Um, Like I said, just jumping in from the 7 to the 8 and using the um, competitive track modes, um, the C8 makes me look like a better driver. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I t- I'll tell you this, Bird. If you're a good driver, you can leave that stuff on um, and have the car working for you. And and if you're if you're comfortable in it, you could really push where your range is uh, and let the car correct correct you where needed. But let me tell you, I, I took it off one lap and, and left it on for several, um, and it was just it it almost felt like uh, I, I was a lot faster because the car never ever unsettled it never would get so far out of control even when i'm pushing on it that the car would come unsettled so it just made you it forced you to go into turns and you know your progressive braking and how you entered and exit you know turns just harder every lap and i only got to put a few laps on it before my boy who owns the car was like okay that's enough that's enough (laughs) uh but but man let me tell you it that thing is a prize whoever Whoever has the luxury to get those early has got themselves one incredible platform. I'll give credit where credit due. That thing is a beast. Well, Richard, so what are you guys uh, putting together for this new ride, right? We talked about how complicated it is from this multi-mode, and we're dealing with you know eight cylinders to four cylinders, different loudnesses, different resonances, and drones. I mean, it, it's it's exponentially more complicated than I think 99.999% of us have ever done with exhaust. Uh, with all the different exhaust systems we put in and built and fabbed and all that stuff. Well, that's absolutely true in that there's still the other component to work with, which is packaging. Um, so yeah, we're putting in all the same tech as we usually look into, which is we want to create a desired sound that uh, is that embodies the vehicle. We don't want to distort something so dramatically that it loses the tuned effect that the uh, original designers and engineers put into it. 
Um, a lot of the architecture of our exhaust system reflects similar traits and attributes as far as to the, the tube lengths um, and where the X occurs and, and little things like that that uh, keep the tonality similar. Uh, obviously, we want to create our own sound that's a very distinct MagnaFlow sound, but even still, we found that there's a, a lot of variety. I mean, this car is attracting the largest audience that Corvette's ever had, from a, a younger, uh, more kind of track-oriented uh, type to, the, again, the guy that does want the grocery grader that just looks cool, that's not going to put it on the, uh, the active exhaust loud mode all the time. But with that said, you know, we want to make sure that we have uh, options available. So we're entertaining the full gambit, and we've done that with our newest product line with XMOD, and that even allows interchangeable mufflers, so we can really work on what that threshold is. Uh, we keep the valve actuation there for the people that opted for the NPP, so you still have your two modes uh, that you have your louder or your quieter mode. Uh, we leave intact the front valve, and that's something uh, that we've been really delaying our product to come out until we're sure that the product will reflect the proper operation. Almost every other aftermarket has said, hey, you know what? The architecture is different. We don't know how the front valve works. We can't replace the valve. We're just going to put in this delete device or a simulator, as a lot of them have called it, where you, you, you leave it plugged in and it has endpoints so that the computer thinks, hey, it's still there. But it's really defeating the whole functionality of that multi-valve system. So you're going to incorporate some harmonics and other things that aren't necessarily desirable. So uh, those are the kinds of things we're trying to put in package to make it so that it's as good as the stock but providing those aftermarket features. So who would have ever thought that you'd have a simulator on your exhaust system, right? Who would have thought, who would have thought? I mean, maybe, you know, maybe a tip, maybe a carbon tip, you know, maybe a shiny tip, but who would put a simulator on your exhaust? I mean, that's, that's the day and age we are where, you know, we're talking about going and doing lap times and the car is kind of driving for you and it's, it's just spilling right over into the exhaust system, which, you know, 20 years ago, if you had said something like that, people would have just laughed, right? Like, why would you ever right. get so complicated, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's just it, is uh, this is an integrated part of that system. Uh, this is not an afterthought. A lot of times, you, know, you look at uh, exhaust and history, and it was like, build the car, build the suspension, design the body. Oh, crap, we've got to fit exhaust in here. Let's crush the pipe. Let's move the pipe. Let's do those things. So uh, it's a different world. We're, we're in a world today where you have total system continuity from the bumper to the, the motor to the exhaust to the interior. Everything's connected. Well, it gets harder and harder for the aftermarket, right, to to work with it because you've got to you've got to reverse engineer it. You've got to figure out, you know, what was the original intent and whatever I'm going to do to it as aftermarket, I'm not going to screw it up and make it worse, right? I've got to be at least as good and then make it better to be attractive to, you know, the consumer, right? Why would you make something that the stock part is better? Then uh, that's our goal. We've got to we got to benchmark and move forward. You would never do that. You would. It's like putting the that four option, the four banger option on the quarter. You would just never, ever, ever, ever do that. So, here's the deal, man. When we come back, we got to take a break now. Let's talk about sound quality versus sound quantity. All right, just a little uh, dive into Rich's brain. Talk about that a little bit. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I will be, and we'll be back in just a minute. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Today, it's all about exhaust. And man, do we have the right man for the problems on with us today. Our boy Rich from Magnaflow. So, Rich, talk to us a little bit about all the R&D, all the things you guys do there that people, A, would be a little bit surprised. I know we chatted with you at SEMA uh, last year. And then we got to get into sound quality versus sound quantity, uh, something I know you guys focus on. 
Yeah, it's uh, technology. I mean, that's where it's at today. We, we've we've got an entirely new department that we run out of our R&D center, and it's called metrology, not to be mistaken for meteorology. Uh, metrology is just the, stutter, the study of numbers. And why is that so important today? Because, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get ahead of the game, um, and we have to understand how things fit and how things uh, work to, with one another. And um, our metrology department uh, literally scans information, whether it's, you know, existing factory exhaust systems, uh, capturing that data so we can really uh, recreate the vehicle without the vehicle being there. Uh, we can create simulation with CFD. So now we can model and we can transpose an exhaust system we've designed in CAD to a body model that we've created out of uh, a 3D uh, laser scan. And we can start doing things that not only a, uh, a test fitment, but we can start looking at flow design, air design, and things like that with CFD. So um, we're really put in a place where we don't even need cars in the physical shop to start developing uh, designs as well as start predicting what we can do with sound. That is so crazy to fathom to wrap people's head around that you guys are taking that far advanced into into the world of you know the design, the architect of it, the you know the R and D of it, and and really creating you know new tones, new sounds, better packaging, uh, and better ways for us to get you know the sound we want when we're driving the poop out of these cars. So pretty damn impressive. It's funny because I think you know most people would think there's a dude just sitting on the car going. Hey, man, I, I think we can get a muffler to fit right here. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah. All right. What do we got to connect it to? All right, go that way. You know? But yeah. these guys are taking it to, like, beyond. They're, they're kind of... They're in a race with the OE, you know? Well, and that's just it. Is that they've done such a good job that we've really had to step up our game. And within that, you know, the big difference is, is that, you know, the OEs have to build one car and one exhaust for it. And they're going to multiply that by, hopefully, hundreds of thousands, but maybe tens of thousands of models. Um, and you know, when we come out around and look, we have to design a muffler that can fit tens of thousands of cars with tens of thousands of different variations. And, um, that's where, uh, oftentimes, you know, people look at it and oversimplify what is the exhaust. It's like, great. You know, you see a five by eight muffler by us and you think, okay, well, it's got an inlet and an outlet. That's, that's the same part. Uh, yet when you look at our catalog, we have over 700 SKUs of universal mufflers that only fit five body shapes. So the internals are so much a part of our design, yet those are the parts you can't see uh, that our engineers spend the time in and trying to tune what is the perforation density that we're going to use to create the amount of sound suppression. Uh, what is the frequency we're trying to work with? You know, the four by nine, the five by eight bodies we have are derivatives of a seven inch round. So they have a, a similar sonic performance. Uh, so those two variations will simply allow us better packaging for fitment, but really won't affect the net sound that we're chasing. Now, inside of those, depending upon what packing material we use, how much of it, the density of it, and how many holes we put in the perforation, uh, or even the use of what we're doing now with quarter wave resonators and Heimholtz chamber or Helmholtz chambers, uh, we can cancel frequencies and noise that are undesirable. And that's something that you may or may not even be able to see uh, inside of the, the existing packaging that we're incorporating to really create that full experience for the sound. Wow, so you're putting these uh, Helmholtz resonators inside your mufflers? Correct. So in the bigger body parts, you'd see that. And in some of them, we're really working with uh, the lower frequencies where we have those, you know, very long sound waves we're dealing with. 
uh, we're using quarter wave resonators to uh, reflect the sound wave back at a quarter of the sine waves uh, from one of the two nodes and, and bounce it back so we get sound cancellation. So where we're talking about maybe, you know, a certain vehicles having a characteristic note that might be undesirable, not just drone, but something about the sound that isn't there that we like, we can actually use those to revert and uh, cancel uh, the sound pressure waves by uh, introducing an inverse version of that wave so that we can actually tune the exhaust to create that desired sound. So it's not just a function of removing undesirables such as drone, but really in the tuning of what the total sound quality is going to be. And that's something that we've uh, brought on board just recently in the last uh, year or so with some of our newest designs to really try to create a unique exhaust experience. Because for the most part, that engine, that pump is what's going to create most of that sound. But we're going to try to manipulate that by uh, canceling the ones we don't and allowing the ones that we do like to pass. And that's where we're at today. Well, it's no different than your girl putting on the makeup and the dress and, you know, like it's the same girl under there, you know, it's the same <laughs> engine making the same sounds, but you know, we're going to enhance it a little bit. We're going to doll it up, pretty it up, make it, make it look good, make it sound good. Absolutely. So isn't that just the way the air sounds in a specific, you know, cavity or space, right? It's just the way it, it resonates or, or like anybody that's driving, like I got a Dodge Durango and sometimes when I roll down my little, my little window, you'll get this big boom, 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 boom sound. And you're like, what in the hell is that? Right. Uh, you guys are kind of doing the same thing. It's just the way it resonates in a cavity in a particular area. Right. And that's what those quarter wave resonators and the Helmholtz chambers do is we're, we're providing a tuned frequency that we're either trying to emphasize or trying to uh, remove. So we'll, we'll pick out those sounds that we want that vehicle to, to have as either characteristic to what a Magnaflow sound would be, uh, or in some cases, it's just some of the undesirables, much like the window flutter you get when you open a window and you create those fluttering pressure waves. Uh, the same thing that happened to create undesirable sounds when you introduce a new device inside of the exhaust system, you might create an undesirable sound or a tone. Sometimes, and, and oftentimes you'll hear this with a lot of the uh, LS community, I know we, we talked about this fairly extensively, Kevin, is the rasp. We always talk about how LS engines have that rasp until you really go to a low cam uh, when you start having high flow, free flowing exhaust and no crossover. And uh, that rasp is something that we're also looking at uh, tuning out. And, you know, uh, I just had flashbacks here a moment ago about some of the new stuff we have because, you know, we were just talking about Corvette and, you know, V4 mode. Well, the new trucks that they have out there, and we were working with these today, and I literally mean in the shop today, um, they go down to one cylinder. So we have to work with sound uh, variation from an eight cylinder that can drop to six, to four, to three, to two, to one. And that exhaust pulse length that passes through that exhaust system, if you can imagine what, you know, that single cylinder pop, 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 pop you know, going down there yeah. versus having those eight pulses. And we're trying to control the resonant frequency of a single pulse, two pulses, four pulses, six and eight. Um, the factory's got these passive valves now. They're, they're not even active. They just sit there and they have a certain amount of weight and spring pressure that create back pressure to negate those sounds. But there's two gates plus a muffler that's tuned for all of this. And yet now for us to tune on what you would think would be the easiest things, pickup trucks, we, we're tuning a sound that varies from one to eight cylinders on cruising and trying to make that a desirable sound and note while enhancing performance. Ouch. In all this time, I thought you guys had the easy job, you know? <laughs> like, put some pipes on there, man. Yeah, Give man. Give me a tip. I need a hanger. Two <laughs> hangers. Come on. But, geez, uh, I can't even imagine trying to go from 8, 7, 6, 5 to whatever pattern 
and and not end up in some mode where you're just like not that one please you know it's a very difficult task you've seen over the years i used to have black hair remember that yeah it's, <laughs> hey i used to have hair uh, it's a little bit more work a little bit more thought process <laughs> uh, well how much uh, how much are the oes willing to work with the aftermarket because you know it just seems like me being in the oe and also playing around the aftermarket too i, I see kind of waves where certain years at sema it seems like there's a nice handshake and the oes are excited to have all the aftermarket parts ready to plop on their vehicles you know day one because people are more excited to buy a vehicle and then you see like the jeep launch a couple years ago where you know when jeep launched the jl they had hundreds of parts ready to buy at the dealership which kind of cuts out you know the aftermarket typically um so how how do they do they work with you guys at all for for anything because you guys do catalytic converters all the way to the you know exhaust to the tips for the most part, um, we're kind of left on our own in R&D. Um, a lot of reverse engineering when it's the emissions uh, component. I mean, they're spending millions upon millions of dollars just to get the car to pass as it is. And we have different standards uh, in the aftermarket. Uh, of course, uh, we work with, you know, the EPA and the ARB, and they have different measuring um, metrics to go by. So the products are almost having to be uniquely discovered again because the standard by which the OE had to go through in their, you know, federal test procedure is different than what we have to run and the uh, standards by which the products have to perform are different. So um, there really isn't a whole lot they can give us other than some of the parameters of how it works. And we do enlist that and with the relationships we have with a number of OEs, that's definitely available, but that's usually on the very basic side. They're not going to go and give us uh, the entire composition that they've spent millions of dollars working with uh, willy nilly to us simply because we're out there. Uh, and technically, we're still kind of competitors in the sense that, you know, they still sell the replacement parts. Their, their parts departments, you know, build a surplus of that and they want to continue to sell those parts. So uh, we're kind of in market to, uh, to complement sales and hopefully, um, you know, the continued relationships have always grown when we can show that, hey, guess what? You built an exciting vehicle. There's customers out there that want to tweak it a little bit more than you could have within the scope of who, uh, what your demographic is that you are targeting but we can take that little 5% niche group and deliver something that you guys might not have and hopefully reinforce more sales. And that's, that's where the relationship kind of has that give and take kind of feel. And it just depends on what phase of that vehicle's development they're in. You know, when cars are new and tech is new, it's pretty closed and they're kind of out there uh, treading new water and kind of giving the consumers new things to talk about. But now when something is well-developed like the LS motor in its previous generation before DI, it, it's it's open game. You know, if we can get them to buy more crate motors for sticking cars that were never intended to have them, the OEs are making money with aftermarket support. That's when it all comes together really quickly. Yeah, it's kind of a circular thing. Yes. What platform has presented the most headaches and hurdles for you as a guy trying to get the signature sound that is Magnaflow? Well, and that's something that, uh, that's a great question because um, I think what we found is that the exhaust market has matured quite a bit. You know, we talk and joke about the days of, you know, glass pack mufflers and straight pipes and um, there still is that customer. And guess what? As we're finding out, you know, that that person's still there, um, but they might have a different desire at a different time um, for certain cars. You know, if this is one of three cars in somebody's uh, stable, uh, then it might have to be a little more dual purpose, a little more middle road. Uh, but if they've got their race car and then they've got their family car, well, the race car can be full-time straight pipe or something close thereof. Um, but uh, as far as by brand, um, you know, it really depends upon uh, that, that vehicle platform. If it's a performance car, 
Uh, we tend to err on the side of that very distinctly, you know, deep rumble that we have. But uh, we're finding guys are bringing out and they're, they're modding everything. I, I can't believe that, you know, you, we look at like Toyota Camry customers, uh, NASCAR, you know, use that platform prior to the Super and bring a lot of publicity around it. Um, you know, they make a quad exhaust exit, you know, V6, that's over 300 horsepower. There's people that want to have some sound from that car. Uh, that's not what we would classify as our, our primary target demographic as a pony car, but we're selling thousands of systems to these people that want to create their own image. And, and that's what we found is that um, every, every group and every car, uh, there's a car guy in, in, that, in, that, in that arena that wants to have something from it. And we're diversifying our line to satisfy those different parts. And in some cases, that's where we have our, our new flagship stuff with XMOD is it gives you multiple mufflers that are interchangeable so you can determine what you want when you want it. And if you grow with that vehicle, can change as well. So guess what? You start off with a bolt-on car. You want it loud. You can straight pipe the car. Uh, we have you know anti-drone uh, technology in there. So we can basically get rid of all that uh, drone issue and still be loud. But then let's say you go and you put a Whipple charger on it or uh, you put some long tubes on it and it's a little too loud. So, hey, we have a modular front muffler that'll negate some of the cabin noise. Uh, and we have a, a block off plate that'll go on the back that can be taken off within, you know, three minutes, four minutes with a, uh, you know, 11 millimeter wrench that allows you to go from track to street without a, a valve that wasn't equipped with the car, but allows you that functionality so you can get to the track uh, and then make the noise you want and then cap it off and avoid the red and blues and the taillights, you know, on the way back home. Yeah, I think that's a amazing evolution in, in what you guys have done because uh, there's so much uh, purchase anxiety on, man, I really, I'm dreaming about this, but my practicality over here is telling me to do this and your systems are so interchangeable and the way you have, you know, essentially quick connects, uh, you know, you take a, an exhaust system that's been clamped for, for years and try to, you know, wedge the muffler off and, you know, then the next muffler you're going to put on there is just, you know, it's not the right length or whatever. And yeah, you guys just make it so easy to uh, change your mind later, flex with what you're, you know, what you want to do out of your vehicle, grow with it over time. I, I thought that was awesome. I mean, there's, you know, many of us in the custom world that have built uh, with, with some of those things in mind, but you guys have delivered it on every level. I think it's really cool. Hey, uh, Rich, before we get out of here, um, where do people find more about what you guys are doing socially? Um, and working at Magnaflow, you know, having the title that you do, uh, how many days go by where the words just the tip are not uttered somewhere <laughs> in the facility? <laughs> well, um, it's easy to find us. We've kept it simple. Um, you can pretty much find us on any of the social platforms from Instagram to uh, Facebook to uh, YouTube. Everything's really simple. It's at Magnaflow. Uh, we've kept it pretty basic. Um, you can definitely connect with us uh, on our website. We're, we're doing a lot now to try to in improve that experience where uh, you can catch, uh, capture more of what we're doing. Um, and it's an interesting year, too. Um, this is the first year you can actually buy direct from us. So on the website, oh. we host a lot of our own content uh, that is, you know, informational. Uh, but we're also reaching out to all, all the people in, in the market, whether that's, you know, the smaller influencers to the ambassadors of the world that are out there uh, talking at the highest levels uh, to the professional racers. And we're, we're trying to uh, collect all of that information and make it more accessible for people to see here. Uh, and I think the here part's the more important part. And I think that's a big part of what we were talking about with the buyer's remorse. So we're trying to go out and create as much content as we can to make sure that you're getting the product you want. Uh, and that's that's a big part of what we're doing strategy-wise in, in the social and digital arena. 
And how many times do you, do you not hear just the tip in a day? Is it is it something that's uttered every single day? I would stress to believe that uh, I, I've learned to ignore it, but I think it's there, and I, I just have to step through it. But yes. <laughs> Uh, my oh, man man well dude it is so awesome to have you on man i think the last time we got to see you was at sema last year and we're gonna miss you this year for sure but uh, we will stay in touch because you were always a go-to guy for the skinny exactly man so uh hey we appreciate your time and don't forget about our show air weekends on the motor trend network check your local listings episodes also now streaming on motor trend on demand which is a great way to find us thanks to our guests our boy rich waiters he is the man from magnaflow my boy kevin bird i will be for our producer scoop and our executive producer mr bob ecker yeah, and don't forget to check out our website twoguysgarage.com share your thoughts with us we're on social too everywhere Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. Now, the Two Guys Garage podcast is a copyright 2020 Brenton Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. Yeah, man. Dude, they got that game on lock. You got to appreciate all the, I mean, the madness behind the sound, the tones, uh, and what we just love to hear when that big, you know, that big hot rod of ours fires up. Oh, it just brings it all together, man. You can have a bitchin' ride. You can have all the right goodies on it, all the right looks on it. But if it doesn't sound right, you know, it's like that big muscly guy that's got a little squeaky voice. You know, it's like, ah, uh, yeah. ah, ah, uh, you know? Hey, hey, Mike Tyson still knock your teeth out. That's true. <laughs> I still got respect for the man. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you guys on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Take care, guys. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.